Before I begin this podcast, let me just explain that when I started recording these programs, I was quite limited in my experience, and the equipment I was using, well, it was less than perfect. Two of the shows I recorded early have been very popular among listeners. It was in two parts, The Signs of Real Affair Recovery Part 1 and 2. The problem was, when I recorded those shows, the microphone I was using had a defect, The end results were recordings that were plagued by static. I decided to go back to the original transcript from those two podcasts and re-record them into a single podcast. The only thing that will be missing are the recordings of the questions and answers from callers into those two separate shows. But you can read them in the transcript of this show. The transcript includes the combined transcripts from both the original Part 1 and Part 2. Let's begin. Hello, I'm Tim Tedder, your host on The Recovery Room, an audio resource provided by AffairHealing.com. Tonight, I want to talk about an issue I think is probably among the most important to consider and understand when you're dealing with a fair recovery. How do we recognize when genuine, real recovery is happening following an affair? It can become confusing to know if what you're experiencing constitutes real change you can trust, or whether you're just going to be stuck in an ongoing mess. I recently attended an event where a couple shared their recovery story publicly, talking about what they'd been through. It was the wife in this instant who had the affair, and her husband stated, It got to the point that it really wasn't about marriage recovery anymore because what we had was gone. It was more about marriage recreation. Her most recent affair was discovered 18 months ago, and for the last six months, they've been on a very consistent path of connection and building together. I mean, you can see it in the way they relate to each other and in the hope and joy they have. It's it's a new relationship, a, a different kind of relationship. For most of the clients I work with, that's the goal. Very few people come in and say, hey, what we want is to go back to the marriage we had. First of all, that's impossible. But even if they could, most couples want to move the relationship forward to experience something better and more secure. How do you know if you're getting there? How do you know that what you're experiencing in recovery is legitimate and can be trusted? How can you be sure that you're building something that's going to be good in the future, not just something you'll end up putting up with from now on? What I want to share with you tonight comes out of my experience as a counselor and from my personal experiences as well. I hope you'll be encouraged and learn things that will be helpful to you in your circumstances. But I I want to be clear, too, that what I say is not meant to be specific counsel for your relationship or marriage. I'll talk about principles you should be able to take and apply, but I know every circumstance is different. So my encouragement for you is to seek out counseling and help for your specific needs. When I'm considering what makes up real affair recovery... The first two things that come to mind have to do with the responsibility of the unfaithful partner. Real recovery isn't just about the unfaithful partner. There are things that the betrayed partner has to be able to do. But the first steps of responsibility and the biggest steps at the beginning have to come from the one who caused the offense, the person who had the affair. The first thing that must be seen if recovery is legitimate is this. The unfaithful partner has to demonstrate a definite return to trustworthy behavior. 
For some, this happens quickly. For others, it takes a bit longer. But it has to happen. I have often been witness to unfaithful spouses who simply say, Okay, well, sorry about that. Let's just move on. And then they continue with ongoing secrecy about their life and an unwillingness to be open or to disclose the truth. As time goes on, new secrets are discovered and contact with the affair partner is sometimes renewed. Trust is rebuilt when openness and honesty are consistently being offered. It requires an intentional effort by the unfaithful spouse to demonstrate, you can trust me. And the longer it takes them to get to that point, the harder recovery will be. The longer it takes to return to trustworthy behavior, the less likely the marriage will get to a place of renewed intimacy and trust between the two partners. The unfaithful partner has to want to earn this. It cannot be the responsibility of the betrayed spouse to get to truth or to, or to make sure that trustworthy behavior is happening. If real changes occurred, it will be demonstrated by the unfaithful partner's willingness to accept the responsibility for returning to the truth. I mean, affairs are confusing. In our online community forum, I frequently read comments by betrayed spouses trying to wrap their head around questions like, well, who is this person? I thought I knew my spouse. I I thought I knew my partner, but the way they're acting now doesn't even make sense to me. How did this happen? Here's one thing you should understand. Affairs do not make logical sense. An affair is more a matter of the heart than the head. People who behaved consistently one way before can change drastically when they're stepping into an affair. And when an affair ends, the recovery isn't just a logical process either. It's not just about making a choice and then trying to make that choice happen. Yes, there has to be intention and there has to be effort, but it must also be a matter of the heart. The person who's had an affair usually possesses a longing for honesty and trustworthiness somewhere in there. And when recovery comes from the heart, openness and honesty will be demonstrated in the marriage again. Holding on to passwords, refusing to be open and accountable, those are not the behaviors of someone who's trying to reestablish trust. Anyone who remains defensive, doesn't want to give an account of where they are and says, I don't want to wear a collar around my neck, I don't want to be controlled, that person is showing evidence that they're not serious about winning trust back again. As a betrayed spouse, you should make it clear that you need a commitment to the work of recovery. You need to ask for it, but it can't be your job to make it happen. You have to watch and determine whether you are with someone who's willing to return to honesty and openness and to earn your trust back again. As a counselor, it's very difficult for me to work with a couple when there's no claim of, yes, I'm being honest and I'm going to be open and I want to regain trust. That claim needs to be made and then backed up by real effort. So that's the first evidence of recovery, a certain return to trustworthy behavior. The second evidence of real affair recovery is also the responsibility of the unfaithful partner, creating a safe place in the marriage. Too many times I observe the betrayed spouse being the one working hardest at trying to make the marriage safe again. They try to get the unfaithful partner to do the right things, say the right things, and give assurances that everything's fine. Betrayed partners can wear themselves out trying to do all that. Evidence of genuine recovery, growth, and change is seen when the unfaithful partner assumes responsibility as the protector and the defender of the marriage. They have to accept that role or else there will be uncertainty and insecurity moving forward. 
Unfaithful partners often just want things to go back the way they were before the affair. They want the betrayed partner to say, okay, I'll just forgive and forget so we can go back to the way things were. But that's an impossibility. You can't drop a bomb of betrayal into a marriage and expect the injured spouse to just move on and forget it. The affair changes things. It cracks the very foundation of love in a relationship, and it shatters trust. It can only be rebuilt again when the one that broke it steps back in and says, I need to fix this. I need to assure you that you can come to a place of feeling safe with me again. Many of you probably know my story. Twenty years ago, I had an affair. I know what it's like to be on the unfaithful side of this issue. I know what it's like to play games and be dishonest. I know what it's like to put up the pretense of wanting to save my marriage while remaining deceitful. Because of my background, I have a desire to help broken couples experience genuine healing. I'm often sitting across from someone who's had an affair, and I want to believe them just like their spouses want to believe them. They often seem so intentional, so sincere when they say, I'm committed to this. I want to do this. But then their behavior demonstrates that they're not doing it. They keep making excuses for compromising choices. They still stay in contact with the affair partner, and they justify their reasons for doing those things. Here's one thing you can count on. If an unfaithful person is sincere about rebuilding trust, they will be the one setting the standard, creating the boundaries, and stepping away from the affair partner. They will be the one giving their spouse certainty. The consistent message you will hear from them will be this. You can trust me. Here's how I want to show you. What else can I do? I, I know that puts a lot of responsibility on the unfaithful partner, but both of those things, commitment to the truth and taking responsibility for creating a safe place in the marriage, they both have to be true. If you're a betrayed spouse and you're listening to this and thinking, well, I want my marriage to work, and my partner who had an affair says they want the marriage to work too, they say they're done with the affair and want to move on, but I don't see a return to commitment, to openness, to honesty. There are still things they keep private and secretive, and they're not taking responsibility for creating a safe place in our marriage. Then I want to say something to you. Openness and honesty, well, they don't necessarily come quickly after an affair is discovered. The beginning of recovery can be a little messy, and sometimes it takes a while to get to truthfulness and safety, but you should expect to see a progression towards those things. When I'm with a couple who, after weeks and months, are still experiencing the same uncertain or compromising behavior, hearing the same excuses being made by someone who just can't seem to make sincere efforts to earn back the trust or to separate from the affair partner, as much as I might like that person and want them to be part of a marriage that survives, I have to say to the betrayed spouse, you've got to make a choice based on their behavior, not on what they're promising to do. If that's your experience, I can't tell you what your choice should be. For some, it's a choice of separation, leaving the relationship temporarily or permanently. For others, it's a choice of sacrifice, staying in the marriage even though they see no hope for change. They do this because they believe the cost of separation or divorce maybe is too great. They stay, but they give up hope for having a marriage that is intimate and trustworthy. Those are hard choices. And regardless of which direction you choose, you need to make sure you're doing what is necessary for you to be healthy, regardless of your circumstances. Let's move to the next area of authentic recovery and... Consider the responsibility of the betrayed spouse. 
Now, I suppose justice at this point might rise up and demand that all repair work after an affair fall on the shoulders of the one who had the affair. But justice will never bring about a return to intimacy and connection. For that kind of recovery to happen, the betrayed spouse must be part of the work as well, and their first efforts will be in offering grace and forgiveness to the person who wounded them so deeply. If you are a betrayed spouse who is still in a marriage and still open to the relationship, you're already offering grace by not yet leaving the marriage. If you are open to a future together, you are, at least in some measure, offering something that maybe isn't even deserved. That's what grace is the giving of undeserved favor. But recovery has to go beyond grace. You have to do more than just choose to stay. If your goal is to return to connection with your spouse, you're going to need to forgive them. Now, opinions about forgiveness often err in two extremes. From one extreme comes the idea that forgiving should come easily and quickly. In order to do this, you may be encouraged to forget the affair or pretend like it never happened, but that's not forgiveness, that's denial. Forgiveness fully recognizes the pain of betrayal and can speak honestly about it for years to come. Forgiveness doesn't have to pretend the affair didn't exist. This view of quick forgiveness often includes an expectation that the offended spouse instantly trusts their partner again. But that's not real forgiveness either. Forgiveness and trust are two different matters. You can forgive someone yet never trust them again. However, if you hope to trust your partner in a restored marriage, you need to first figure out what it means to forgive them. That is the view from one extreme, where forgiveness is too quickly embraced or encompasses more than it should. On the other extreme are those who insist there should be no expectation of ever forgiving. Now, I understand betrayal is a deep pain. In fact, it's the most significant pain that many will ever experience. Because the pain is great, there must also be great forgiveness if the marriage is going to be healed. The one who was betrayed must be willing to let the affair become a thing of the past instead of something constantly brought up in the present conversations or, or used against the unfaithful partner. Forgiveness allows the affair to be part of their past story while they begin to focus on the current and future troubles or blessings. It allows them to work through the struggle of their marriage without reaching into the past to pull the affair back into the present again. Now, it takes a while to get to that place, but when it's experienced, the unfaithful spouse will know what it's like to be pardoned, to be let off the hook, given a fresh start. Justice steps away and stops demanding fairness because that will never happen. The betrayal can never be undone. A few years ago, a couple came to my office. I was, I think, the third counselor they'd seen, looking for help in getting over an affair the husband had 10 years earlier. By our third session... We were still getting nowhere, and I was pretty sure I would be the next in line of counselors who had failed to help them. In the session, I turned to the wife, and I asked her pointedly, what would your husband need to do in order for you to forgive him? Now, by all indications, he had been committed to honesty, truthfulness, and protecting the marriage during the past 10 years. He had not stepped back into that or any other affair, and it looked like he was making the effort to bring healing to his wife and his marriage, but she was constantly angry and accusing. When I asked what it would take for her to forgive him, she replied without thought, Oh, I'll never forgive him. <laughs> that was my last session with them. I told them, I'm sorry for how much this has hurt both of you, but I don't think you should waste time and resources with any more counselors unless you are willing to move towards forgiveness. It's not likely you will experience anything other than what you've been experiencing these past ten years. 
I looked at the husband and I said, if your wife cannot forgive you, you need to decide whether you're willing to be in a relationship with someone who will always hold this against you. Maybe you are. Maybe there are reasons enough for you to sacrifice the hope for forgiveness in order to stay, but you have to understand that your fight for a different marriage is not going to accomplish anything unless there is forgiveness. I was able to witness a recent example of this kind of forgiveness in action. A couple I worked with they gave me permission to use their real names. They've decided to be very public about their story. Tim and Lori came to me about 18 months ago. Lori had an affair, and it was not the first time she'd been unfaithful in their marriage. This time, though, things seemed to move in a much different direction. Lori was dealing with issues in ways that she'd never dealt with before. She was understanding what it meant to heal the broken places in her and to create a place of safety for her husband. Her husband, Tim, had experienced disappointment and betrayal several times. He was hurt, angry, barely holding on to any hope. He struggled for months, thinking, Why am I stuck having to do the work with a wife who has betrayed me more than once? It seemed unfair to him. He experienced depression, anger. He wanted something different. He wanted change. Last September, something finally switched. All the input that had come into his life finally settled into place, and he was able to experience a shift. He emailed me afterward, and this is part of what he wrote. He wrote, It's difficult to explain the transformation. I made a conscious decision to be a friend. That day, I released Lori of all obligations and decided to accept her for who she was and who she is, including all the choices, both good and bad, that she had made or would make in the future. I read somewhere that a friend loves at all time. That's what I decided to do. Within the choice to release Lori, I found something amazing. I found that I had released myself. I released the anger, the jealousy, the regret, the victim mentality, and all the junk that had burdened me for so long. We are loving each other again, and it's not even difficult. It's natural, the way it was in the very beginning when we first fell in love. <laughs> the other day, I got on the phone with Tim to talk a little bit more about his experience. I'd like you to listen to that call. I know that in the process of your recovery, um, you had to deal with a period of time where, you know, you were hurt, you were angry, and I guess to be frank, you know, it felt like justice was the thing that was right in front of you in regards to your wife and your marriage. And I guess in a sense, you had a right to feel that way, but when you held on to that, the marriage really wasn't progressing or going anywhere. You were seemed to be constantly in a state of conflict, not necessarily enjoying much of the process either. Would you agree right. with that? I would agree with that. It wasn't just a sense of not knowing which way to go. It was a, a strong sense of feeling trapped. Yeah. Um, what do you mean by that? Because tra- Talk about that? Trapped by my own obligations. I, I have mm-hmm. two boys. Um, in my mind, the, the marriage was over, but... I felt so strongly that I needed to be there for the boys. And given the fact that I wasn't the one that had cheated, um, I didn't feel like I really was the one that should be leaving. So I, I really felt trapped during that, during that time period. So explain what happened. And it didn't happen quickly, did it? It took a while to get to this place. It was a process. But then I, on September 23rd, 
it seemed like all of the processes that I had been experiencing all culminated on the same day. There were the friends that had come into uh, my life that had that had shown me what real friendship should be, and well, they were they were showing that by their example. But then there were the other friends that um, began to call. Uh, specifically at the beginning of September, telling me their marriage was in trouble. I didn't really have anything that I felt I could offer them except friendship. So I really began to contemplate that and realized that I've never really offered that to Lori, not in that way, not in a non-judgmental, accepting way. So that was one of the processes. Another one is simply letting go of the, uh, the obligation that I felt that, that Lori had, I, I just realized that she couldn't repay. She couldn't undo what she'd done. She couldn't do anything. Even if she became perfect, the trust was as it was was still gone. And once I realized that, Tim, I just realized that I could, I could stop trying to control it. I could stop trying to manipulate it. I could stop trying to bring back what should have been because it never will be. Yeah. And once I realized that it never would be, I literally could just put that to rest. And then how did that change your perspective of your wife and your marriage? I just wanted to be done with the conflict. And if I could let it go the way I, I was beginning to let go, then she could be free of what I was trying to control, I guess, would be a payback. And I realized she couldn't. So why try to control that anymore? And once I, once I realized that I could just let her go, in a sense, set her free, I really began to contemplate the, uh, the whole idea of freedom and what that means. And so when I went home that day, I, it was a long conversation, but the bottom line is I said, you're free. You can do whatever you want to do. And as I set her free, I realized that I... In reality, I haven't called it forgiveness, really, but that's probably yeah. what it is. Yeah, um, I think it's, it's grace, forgiveness. It's all kind of wrapped up in there. Yeah, you, you were letting go of justice there, that's for sure. I was. And, I, you know, I can't even say that I was after justice because – and, and I'm sure that was in there too. Um, but there's no way she could repay. And I wasn't out to do the same thing to her. I wasn't out to pay her back. That's just – I don't know whether I would say it's beyond me. It's probably not beyond anybody, but that's just not in my heart. Yeah, and I, and I never perceive that in you. I think when I say injustice, it's more that that attitude of fairness that, you know, this yes. isn't fair. Why am I, you know, I didn't do this sort of stuff. Why am I both having to pay consequences for it and being forced into a corner to have to, you know, do certain things or certain expectations of me? I, I know that right. was difficult. I'm sure that Lori, you know, as a recipient of that message, I'm, I'm sure that was something extraordinary and, and good for her. But I'm really curious about what, it, what difference it made to you once you came to that point. How did you start experiencing life and marriage differently once you came to that place? Well, I realized that if what could have been or what should have been never would be, then I could simply in a way, start over. And I could start simply by talking about friendship. And on that day, I remember specifically, I said, I don't even want to concentrate on a marriage. Let's just be friends. Oh. 
there were so many things about Lori that I still like. And I've told her that all of the things that I absolutely love about her are the things that she probably unintentionally used to betray me. Mm. You know, her, her talents, her, mm-hmm. her beauty. I mean, she's a beautiful woman. Um, mm. her, her outgoing personality, her laugh. I mean, I love all of that. And I realized I don't want to change those things. I still love those things. So let's just be friends. And by the way, we're married and I mean, at least on paper, if you know what I mean. Um, and we're living in the same house, but very honestly, the old marriage is gone. Let's not try to recreate it. Let's do something new. I'm not restoring the old. I can't. It's, it's gone. It's creating something new. The healing of Tim and Lori's marriage provides a clear example of the evidence to look for in real affair recovery. For Lori, there was a willingness to be completely honest and to take the responsibility for assuring Tim that she was committed to making their marriage a safe place by working on those changes that she needed to make for herself and for their relationship. Tim had to finally get to the place where he was willing to forgive her and reestablish the kind of connection that would allow him to begin learning to trust again. Because they were both willing to do their part, they are experiencing a marriage much different than it has ever been before. The Recovery Room Podcast is a resource provided by AffairHealing.com. For more information about the podcast and resources for affair recovery, including archives of past programs and the schedule for upcoming ones, please go to AffairHealing.com slash podcast. I'm your host, Tim Tedder. See you next time.